The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Good morning. Welcome to First Church of the Potty Mouth, Charleston, South Carolina. No, the reason I, I joke is because uh, we began a new series last week called The Power of Words. And um, I, I issued a 30-day no cursing challenge. So if you weren't in church last week, download our app, listen to the message last week, pick up a CD, go to our website, all that stuff. And, uh, but how many of you, and by the way, we had like, uh, it really obviously struck a chord with, with people, and we had like over 60 adults uh, sign up for the no, no cursing challenge. And then I heard like story after story. How many of you last week, like when you left church, you just felt like Satan was tempting you to, to curse and swear all week long. That's all I've heard. You know, you left church and somebody cut you off in traffic or something. But uh, anyway, at the very least, I do hope that, um, you know, the, the, the reality is all of us, all of us could uh, do a better job of not being, uh, you know, so careless with our, with our language and our words. Because remember, from Proverbs, kind of the theme of this particular series is that our words have the power of life and death. Uh, we are continuing today in this series called The Power of Our Words. And again, this series is all about how we can use our speech, our language, to either build up or to tear down. And uh, today, of all things, I want us to talk about when you have to use your words to confront somebody. When you have to use your words to speak the truth in love to someone. And I'll use the word uh, confrontation. Now, let me explain exactly what I mean. First of all, let me read Proverbs 27.6. It says this, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Now, think about the times in your own life that somebody, and it could have been maybe a parent, obviously, when you were a kid growing up, or a friend, uh, now somebody that you do life with, somebody that you live in community with, uh, but somebody came and talked to you about something that was difficult, that was hard, and even though it hurt a little bit, even though it might have stung just a little bit, it was something you needed, and it did bring about growth. And life change. Now, let me begin by defining what I mean by confrontation. And you might actually add the word in front of this, godly confrontation. Okay? Because that's different than some, maybe some of the other types of confrontation you might be thinking of. And some of the other things that happen sometimes out of necessity. But what I'm talking about is a meeting between two friends for the purpose of restoring godliness. Now, the word friends there in that definition is very, very important. Okay, again, I'm talking about somebody that you do life with. Uh, you really can't do what I'm talking about today to someone who is not your friend. Okay? If, if, if you're pursuing somebody with the intention of confronting them, and they're not your friend, and you're not in li you know, doing life with them or in community with them, uh, that might be better called an altercation or stalking or, uh, you know, it, it, or maybe just the, the kind of, I guess, normal confrontation sometimes that happens in a, you know, like a workplace environment or something like that. But I'm not talking about any of that, okay? What I'm talking about has to be two people who are friends, okay? You know the person. You, you can't really do this type of confrontation unless, you know, 
you have a relationship with them. And then notice I'm talking about for the purpose of restoring godliness. In other words, something has happened. Uh, Maybe a sin has incurred in this person's life. Uh, Something has happened that has damaged the relationship. Uh, This person is spiraling, you know, out of control. They're, They're involved in something. They're a friend of yours. And then God calls you to speak the truth and love to that person. Now, that is not the same as an intervention, okay? Maybe you've personally experienced one of those, or you've been a part of one, or you at least know what I'm talking about from television. You know, that's where like a group of friends get together, and they go as a group to confront somebody who is involved in typically some sort of addictive behavior. I'm not even talking about that, okay? Again, I'm talking about that one-on-one situation where you care so much about a friend that you believe that God is leading you to speak the truth and love to that person for the purpose of restoring godliness. Now, I'm going to a great lengths here today, obviously, to explain what I'm talking about because in some church settings, what I'm talking about today can be very, very dangerous and has the potential for abuse. And I see that a lot in, of, in Christians today and a lot in some churches. I actually think that like 75%, even 80% of the time, when somebody thinks that they should confront somebody, they probably shouldn't. Okay? It, it, it shouldn't happen at all. Maybe it's not needed. It's not helpful. It won't help the situation. And most importantly, sometimes, and a lot of times, it's not really spirit-led. So, I want you to pay attention today. I want you to take good notes. I want you to listen very carefully. Even though today's message is going to be a little bit shorter, um, you know, this, this subject really could be something we could talk about for weeks, okay? But let's pay close attention today. And today, to do that, I want, us to, I want to draw your attention to a story, to a confrontation that happened in the Bible between two friends, uh, Nathan and David, the prophet Nathan and King David in 2 Samuel chapter 12. Now, let me set the scene a little bit for you. First of all, there's Nathan. Uh, Nathan is a prophet uh, in the time of King David during his reign over Israel. Now, a prophet in the Old Testament was a person who was basically God's mouthpiece, God's spokesperson to the children of Israel before there was the written word. Now, Nathan was, again, a key spiritual leader, but he also, this is very key, happened to be friends with King David. Now, you, most of you probably, even if you've not been in church for a long time, you probably know a good bit about David. Uh, in the first part of David's life, he was a what? Anybody remember? He was a shepherd, you know, a little shepherd boy, you know, we might know from uh, Bible school. Um, but he was chosen by another prophet, uh, Samuel, to be the future king of Israel, uh, to follow King Saul. Now, David's initial reign of Israel was awesome. It was a period of unprecedented uh, growth and prosperity and peace. And still today, he is considered one of the greatest kings, uh, leaders of all time, all throughout history. Now, when the confrontation happens, it occurs right after David commits adultery with Bathsheba. Now, David is not out with his men fighting in a battle on this particular night, and he is up in his tower, and he looks out, and he sees Bathsheba bathing at her place, and he sends for her. Now, when the king sends for somebody, they come running. 
So Bathsheba comes, and he ends up sleeping with her, committing adultery. And then that led to David trying to cover up everything. And he goes so far as, because Bathsheba's pregnant, by the way, and he goes so far as taking her husband, Bathsheba was married to a man named Uriah, who was in a soldier in David's army, and he sends Uriah to the front lines of a very, very intense, dangerous battle where he was hoping that Uriah would be killed. And he is. Now, it's, it's a mess. I mean, it's like high drama, okay? So it's after all of that that Nathan is called by God to confront David in his sin and to try to restore David back to godliness. Now, with all that in mind as a backstory, I want to I wanna bring out five steps that I think that we can take and apply to the confrontation that we may face in our own life. Now, I realize that for some of you, uh, you have confrontations every day, uh, you know, in, in your business, at your workplace, and uh, not necessarily of a real spiritual nature, but maybe in a real, like, leadership nature, kind of management kind of a situation. And so what I would say to you is that I think there's some of what I'm going to talk about today that you could actually apply. If you would just make a few little tweaks, a few minor adjustments, you could apply this in a business setting. So sooner or later, though, we are all going to need this. So I want everybody to take good notes and to pay attention because, again, my fear is that in a lot of people who say they follow Jesus abuse this process and just think it's their you know, mission in life to confront everybody about everything. Lesson number one, follow God's leadership carefully. Follow God's leadership carefully. This is where it all starts, okay? Before you ever even think about sitting down and confronting a friend, you better make for sure, you better be certain that God is the one who is leading you to have that conversation, to have that meeting. Now, as I said before, and I really do believe this, it's been my experience, and I've been a pastor for 26 years now here at Coastal, that like 75, 80% of confrontations that people think they should have should not happen anyway. Now, and, and in fact, a sure sign that you are not being led by God is that you look forward to having the conversation. You know, that you're excited about confronting them, Okay that you want to do it. You're messed up if you think that, okay? You're the one that's got the problem. In fact, if you read carefully, Nathan has this, I would call it a healthy sense of dread about this. I mean, like seriously, have you ever had to have those conversations, sometimes even as a parent, and in your heart, you, I mean like, your heart is just heavy and you don't like, uh, you're not looking forward to this. And what I'm saying is if you do look forward to it, something's not right, you're not being led by God. Now, again, let me be quick to say, Nathan was a spiritual leader. He knew David did wrong. I'm not saying that he endorsed it or tried to cover it up. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying he didn't desire to confront him out of a, you know, a self-righteous pride, okay? Now, in fact, 2 Samuel 12 starts this way. So the Lord sent Nathan. Now, how do you know if God's the one that's asking you to do this? Let me give you um, a few questions to ask yourself. Now, again, these aren't on the screen. They're not on your outline. You might just kind of write these down quickly somewhere on, on, your, on your outline. Some questions to ask if you're being led by God. Number one, is this sin dishonoring to God? Are they doing something 
and involved in something that's dishonoring to God, behaving in some way that might be, make people feel less of God, less of his church, less of Jesus, okay? Question number two, is this sin, is this situation creating a divide between you and the other person? Is it damaging the relationship? Um, now, let me issue you this caution, and that's why this is so serious, and people don't think this through. One of the things that you've got to be prepared to deal with, if you actually go and have this conversation, if you speak the truth in love, you need to realize it's possible it could end the relationship. Permanently, or maybe even for a period of time. Um, sure, Godliness could be restored. They might repent and, 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 and go on in their life in a great way, but you might not be their friend again. And I'm just saying, you better be careful, and you better make sure that is something you think about, that you weigh in the equation. And I'm not saying, obviously, there are times when you have to make that, you know, sacrifice, when you have to be prepared for that, Obviously. You know, but are you willing to lose the relationship either for a period of time or even potentially for a long period of time? So be sure that you've got that holy sense of calling from God before you take that step. And then the third question is, you know, is it hurting other people? You know, that, that's, um, in David's case, it wasn't just about David. It wasn't even just about Bathsheba. Um, it was really threatening the whole nation of Israel. This was a, you know, a pivotal, pivotal time in, in the history of, of, of Israel. Uh, And then, yes, is it hurting the offender? You know, is the person who's involved in whatever it is, are they being hurt? So again, just see. What I'm trying to say is, this is an important first step before you just rush off and go, you know, I'm going to go confront somebody about something going on in their life. We need, you know, and have that conversation. You better just make sure you're following God's lead. Okay? Now, here's a... Here's a little quick aside before we go on to number two, and I think this is important. I'm just wondering, do you have a Nathan in your life? In other words, do you have somebody in your inner circle that has such a relationship with you, that lives in such a sense of community with you, that they could confront you if need be. That someone could come to you in your life, you have that type of friend who could speak the truth and love to you. That's a tough question. Maybe you need a Nathan in your life. That's why community is so important, by the way. Number two, he requested a private meeting. Um, I think that's important. I think true confrontation, the kind I'm talking about, godly confrontation has got to be done one-on-one. Listen to me. Your life group is not the place for confrontation. Okay? More importantly, in today's culture, you ready for this? Facebook is not the place for confrontation. Okay? Social media, this, that's not the place for this. Okay? You, you got to get away from the crowd. You can't confront a friend in the presence of other people and expect them to feel vulnerable and, you know, open and, and, you know, a sense of humility. All that can't happen in a crowd. 
It's got to be one-on-one. Notice it says here, so the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to tell David. The implication is, if you read the story, is that they were alone. It was a meeting between the two of them. In your mind, you might picture, you know, over a cup of coffee, the two of them had this conversation. And that takes us to number three, the conversation. Prepare to tactfully share your thoughts, okay? Now, actually, this is, again, before the conversation, but we're leading up to, the, to it. You gotta, you gotta get prepared. You gotta be prepared to tactfully do it. The Bible talks about being you know, wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. So, in other words, you've gotta think through, what am I going to say? How is it going to happen? What is the environment going to be like? When? Where? How am I actually going to confront this other person? Now, the first part of the preparation, and you might jot this down. Again, not, on, not in your notes and not on the screen, but you might write this down. The first part is self-preparation. That's where you check your own heart first, okay? You actually need to do what Jesus said to do one time. Remember when he says, hey, before you take the speck, out of your brother's eye, you take the what out of your own eye? The log, the log. In other words, am I in a right place to do this? Am I the best person? Am I in a place spiritually where I can have this conversation? Now, this next part's really not in the story today, but I think this is an important part. I think there's written preparation. Written preparation. That is, I think, Before you actually confront someone, you sit down and you actually write out what you think you're going to say. Now, if you are too lazy to write out your thoughts, you are not being led by God to do this. Okay? I I just think there's something that happens between your head and your hand when you write out your thoughts, when you put pen to paper. Sometimes, in fact, what you thought was really big and a big issue, when you write it down and actually think it through, sometimes you go, you know what? This is not as big as I thought it was. Maybe a group of people are making something bigger than it really is. Or maybe you go, hmm, this is not the right time yet. I'm not ready. Maybe you don't need to confront. You actually need to forgive. The reality is here, listen to this. Relationships are messy. They just are. Friendships are messy. I mean, there's somebody in your life that you love that can do something sometimes to hurt you. And sometimes you don't need to speak the truth in love. Sometimes you know what you need to do? You need to make allowances for them. You don't have to have a a confrontation. You need to forgive. Now, let's look at what Nathan actually said, because, wow, this guy, he sets the bar really high. Not only is he wise, but he's so tactful. Again, the first part says, so the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to tell David this story. Now, I think that's actually interesting, that he used an illustration. He, he tried to capture David's heart before he spoke the truth to his mind. Listen to this. He tells him this story. There were two men in a certain town One was rich and one was poor. The rich man owned many sheep and cattle, and the poor man owned nothing but a little lamb that he had worked hard to buy. Now, stop right there for a second. Again, remember? 
Because I know when you read the story, you're going, what in the world is Nathan doing? Where is he going with this? When are we getting to the adultery part, Nathan? You know, when are we getting to murder? You're telling us a lamb story. Now, but remember, what was David before he became king? He was a shepherd. That's important. The story goes on. He raised this little lamb and grew it up with his, and it grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate, drank from his cup. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. And you're like, oh, that's really sweet. Sweet little lamb story. Verse 4. But one day, a guest arrived at the home of the rich man. But instead of killing the lamb from his own flock for food, he took the poor man's lamb and he killed it and served it to his guest. Now again, think of the wisdom of Nathan here. Think of the, the tact of this approach. And again, picture David, the, the former shepherd boy on the other side of the table. David's emotional. His heart is breaking. His, his probably temper is bubbling to the, to, you know, to the top. He's wrapped up in this story. You know, the, the poor man with only one lamb and the rich man sweeps in and, you know, takes it and kills it. So David's open. His heart is open to receive this truth. Because Nathan is speaking to him on a very emotional level at first. And then that takes us to step number four. State the truth compassionately and then just trust the Spirit. He's about ready to deliver the truth and he's just going to have to trust God that God's going to do his work. Now that's important to remember because the ultimate job of restoring godliness in people's lives That's not your job. Now, God might use you and use me as instruments, but it's his work, ultimately. It's his work. Verse 5. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole and for having no pity... Wow, David is, he's in, isn't he? He is hook, line, and sinker. David thinks this is a true story, maybe something that's happened in his kingdom, and Nathan has come to report it. And uh, so he's putting on the, you know, his, you know, he's the king, so he's going to make a judgment. He's put on his king hat. He's about ready to, you know, to go to town on this guy. And then look what Nathan says in verse 7. Then Nathan said to David, you are that man. The Lord, the God of Israel, has said, I anointed you king of Israel and saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you his house and his wives and the kingdom of Israel and Judah. If that had not been enough, I would have given you much, much more. Why then have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? For you have murdered Uriah and stolen his wife. From this time on, the sword will be a constant threat to your family because you have despised me by taking Uriah's wife to be your own. Because of what you have done, I, the Lord, will cause your own household to rebel against you. I will give your wives to another man and he will go to bed with them in public view. You did it secretly, but I will do this openly to you in sight of all of Israel. Wow. Now, there's a lot we could get from that passage, but let me just start with this and give you kind of a quick little side note here. Sin always has consequences. Your sin will eventually find you out. 
And it always has consequences. Let me go a step further. You, you and I can still be restored. We can be forgiven. But our mistakes still have consequences. You know, David didn't just harm himself, he, and, and not just even Bathsheba, he actually put the whole nation of Israel in jeopardy. Verse 13. Then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against Bathsheba and Uriah. It's not what he said, is it? He, he didn't even say, I've sinned against the nation of Israel. He said, I've sinned against who? The Lord. Now, if you read the whole story and continue on in David's life, it's obvious that this really was an example of true repentance. He didn't just say, I've sinned against you know, Uriah, Bathsheba, against you, Nathan, my friend, or the nation of Israel. I, 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 blow, I blew it. I messed up. I sinned. I sinned against God. Now, when you read this story, truthfully, there's a lot to dislike about David and his life at this point. But there's also a lot to admire. Um, he is a great leader, and he did some great things, and, you know, but really one of the things that I admire most about David, in fact, you know, isn't it interesting that, that God says, David is a man after my own heart. How could God say that? Well, I think it's because when confronted with his sin, he did respond the right way. And he responded with true repentance. He said, God, I did it. I repent of it. I've done this. I've sinned against you. He really did exhibit true repentance. Now, that leads us to step number five. You know, what, what did Nathan do when David confesses? Because he didn't rub it in his face. He didn't go, aha, I knew it. I'm right, you're wrong, I'm holy, you're not. They didn't do any of that. Number five, you offer grace and support. Grace and support. Verse 13, Nathan replied, Yes, but the Lord has forgiven you, and you won't die for this sin. But, you have given the enemies of the Lord great opportunity to despise and blaspheme him, and your child will die. There, there were consequences. Now again, there's a lot we could talk about here, but I, I really want to point out, first of all, that it's very clear when you read the rest of David's life and the rest of his interaction with Nathan, that Nathan wasn't happy that these things were going to happen. He wasn't happy about David losing his son. In fact, you really can only imagine that when you read the whole story that Nathan continues to be a source of, of strength. He continues to be a friend. Um, throughout David's life and as things get very difficult, he is right there. He's a shoulder for David. In fact... Um, David's sin with Bathsheba really was a turning point in his life and in the, in the story of, of Israel. But through it all, Nathan continues to be the spokesperson for God and continues to be a friend of David, continues to speak the truth and do so in love and grace and support. 
And, and yet, even though David sinned, and even though there were tremendous consequences, godliness was restored. Now, with all of that in mind today, I want to make two very, I want to challenge you, challenge all of us to make two, what I, what I would say are very courageous decisions, godly decisions today. Decision number one, under God's direction, under God's leadership, I will compassionately confront a friend if necessary. And that, I'm, all of what I said goes into that, okay? And then number two, I think an even more courageous decision is this. Under God's leadership, under God's direction, I will receive a confrontation from a friend when necessary. Now here's what I want to leave you with today. I actually think God's preferred way of restoring holiness and godliness in our lives is to do it one-on-one with him. It's between you and God. In other words, I think God wants to correct us and he wants to confront us and correct us directly. Now, how does he do that? I think he does it through the exact same thing that was said to Nathan through the word of the Lord. I think he does it through his word. That's why you've got to be at such a place where you're listening to the word of God. You're hearing the word of God. That's why, you know, the truth is, that's why moments like this are so important, where the word is proclaimed and you allow it to to wash your heart and to wash your mind. I think he does it through his word. I think sometimes he does it through the prompting of the Holy Spirit. God's preferred way is the direct way. So what's important there is that you and I are in a place where we're always listening to him. And we're always willing to receive correction and truth from him. Now, if that doesn't work, and you're not paying attention to the voice of God, I think God will speak through somebody else. And I think his preferred way is through a close friend. He'll use a Nathan in your life. So I want to challenge you. All of us. Again, we are all, you know, the ground is level at the foot of the cross here at Coastal. Okay? We're all in the same boat. All of us, me included. I want to challenge you to be open to what God has to say to you. That he doesn't have to run an end around and involve someone else simply because... You're not listening. And that usually is when he has to involve other people, isn't it? I know that's what he's done to me when I'm just simply not listening to him. You know, I wonder. Maybe through the course of this message today and the course of our time together, I wonder if God has been speaking to you today about something. 
maybe, maybe there's something in your own life that you need to change. Maybe there's something you need to correct. Maybe there's something you need to stop. Maybe it's something you need to start. Would you just listen to God today and be obedient? If not, it's my prayer that you won't hurt yourself or others while you wait. And that you'll be open to a Nathan in your own life. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.